Bless you. Won't that be a wonderful rest when we get to heaven and all these things are over except sitting around the throne with our Lord. Have your Bible now this morning. Hold your Bible up for me real good. I keep challenging you to do this and encouraging you to do this. Now, if you've been reading your Bible this week, keep holding it up. Well, a lot of you are reading your Bible. I encourage you to read it. It'll help you. It'll, it'll, it'll guide you and strengthen you. You have your Bible this morning. I want you to open with me, Will, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And when you find verse number 13, I'd like you to stand to your feet with me, please, out of respect of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. I'll read through verse 16. Then I'm going to have you read one of those verses with me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that sit on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give it light and water in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse number 14 is the, the text verse for this morning. I want us to read that verse together. You ready? You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I'm going to try to preach to you this morning on this subject. You are the light of the world. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to be able to come out and have this time. We can be together in thy house. Now, Lord, you've been so good to us here. We have uh, enjoyed the presence of a mighty God in our Sunday school hour and our fellowship and, Lord, in our singing. And now we've come to this portion of the service and the bread of life has been broken. And I stand before thy people in thy house with a great responsibility, uh, Lord, to deliver a message from the Word of God. And Father, as I stand here, I realize my inability and, oh, dear Jesus, my unworthiness to be here. And so once again, I would ask you to forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse me afresh and anew with the blood of Calvary. And Holy Ghost, I pray you'd just fill me with power. Uh, Lord, that I can say what you'd have me to say in a manner you'd have it said, that every person here would feel like this message is for them and them alone. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. From time to time in the next several months, I'll bring a, a message that I'm actually entitling in my notes, what it means to be a Christian. And a couple of weeks ago, I used this same text and just got through verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. And we've seen that Jesus is saying to those of us that are Christians and what Christianity ought to mean to a lost world is that we are the salt of the earth. And salt does two things. It purifies and it preserves. One of the things that's happening in our society as we look at the downward progression of our society uh, is not to be blamed on society, but to be blamed on us that we have not been preserving and purifying the truth the way that we ought to. Now this morning we're going to go into the next thing that the Lord Jesus says when he's talking to us as Christians. And one of the things that it ought to mean in Christianity is he simply says, ye are the light of the world. Now what does he mean by that? Whenever he says ye are the light of the world, what is the significance behind that as far as Christianity is concerned, as far as we're concerned? Now, I want you to hold something here. 
Uh, I'm going to lay a foundation that we're going to come back here in just a minute. But I want you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Now in John chapter 1, we're going to, uh, I'm going to read down through the first 14 verses. Now I'm going to stop uh, periodically and say something about those verses as we go through them. But it's important that we understand something that if Jesus says, you are the light of the world, what does that mean? And uh, how, how does that uh, reflect in Christianity and how should that affect in us as individuals when he says, you are the light of the world? And so we start in John chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. Now, we'll come back to this text, this verse in just a minute, but I want you to notice that he says, in the beginning, before Genesis 1-1, when God created the heaven and the earth, before that, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, before that. And so, in the beginning, there is the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word is God, was God. Now, look at verse 3. All things were made by Him, without Him is not anything made that was made. Now He is the Creator, and He is the Creator of all things. When we look out in, in creation, you look in, at the earth itself, you look in the universe, and everything that is created is not there by accident, it's not there by happenstance, it's not there for some, we don't know how it got there, it is there because a omnipotent, mighty God created it as it is. Verse number four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now there's that word light. You think I was, uh, y'all probably thought I was getting off the subject here about the light of the world. Now he created everything, and then in him was life. Where did life come from? From a scientific standpoint, that's one of the things that the, uh, the evolutionists are always uh, fretting over is where did life come from? And they uh, there is no way that you could have life without a creator because according to evolution, uh, this whole thing began about 14 billion years ago. That's even hard to comprehend. It's incomprehensible actually. And uh, uh, that this uh, life just spontaneously generated out of inorganic matter and that's an impossibility, a scientific impossibility. So where did life come from? Well, life came from God. God gave life. So all the life that we have, whether it is our lives as human beings or the animal lives or plant life or whatever thing that is alive, it came from Him. Now, so he, he says in verse number four, in Him was life. And then he says, and the life was the light of men. Now, one of the things that's happening in our world is we're in a darkness. We're in a spiritual darkness and it's really getting darker. And uh, how come is that true? Because we have, uh, we, we're ignoring the Lord Jesus Christ and the life that he's given, which creates light. Now, keep reading the text now. Verse number five. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So uh, the, the light is trying to penetrate the darkness. The light is trying to get the, the darkness to see the truth. Then verse number six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Notice that word light is capitalized. Uh, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness 
of that light that was a true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So whenever John came on the scene, John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, he had a mission. And his mission was to witness about the light. Now he's not the light, but he was to tell who the light was. And then we find that the light lights everyone that comes into the world. And so Jesus gives his light to everyone. Now keep reading uh, verse uh, number 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. By the way, there's a lot of people that are made by Jesus, and they don't know Jesus, and that's not anything new. Uh, he was in the world, the world made him, and they rejected the light, they don't know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, his own received him not. Uh, the Jewish nation is a nation that God has chosen his, as his own people. And through them came the word of God, and through them came the Messiah. And he came to his own, and they rejected him. Now, verse number 12. I'm glad verse 12 is in the word of God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Thank God if you recognize that Jesus is the light of the world. And by faith, you'll trust him as Savior. Then he'll make you a child of God. I'm glad it's that easy. And I'm glad uh, that it's given to us. Now, verse 13 and 14, uh, we need these. Now, I'm going to back up just a little bit and solidify this, I hope. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, once you notice, it's not blood, it's not the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but it's God. So it must be a spiritual birth, something from God, not from us. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, you remember in verse number 1, you notice it says, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God, verse 22. Now, you, in verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when it's talking about the Word, it's talking about Jesus. The Word was made flesh. Let me give you a good word here. You need to just a new word that will help you. You increase your vocabulary. We call that the incarnation. That means God become man. And so now we find that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word has now become flesh. That's Jesus Christ. All right. So now when we look at this text... In the beginning was the Word. We know that's talking about Christ. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. When all things were created by Him then, that means Jesus is the Creator. Oh, that's sort of interesting. That's what Colossians chapter 1 says. And in Colossians chapter 1, uh, you're going to find that as the Apostle Paul is dealing with the, uh, uh, the church at Colossae, he actually gives... Uh, a, 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 def, a rundown of this. I'll get my words spit out in just a minute. Uh, and in verse number 16, uh, it's a great verse. It says something about Jesus being the creator. 
And it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, where there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the creator. And so whenever we are looking at, at this this morning, and we're talking about the light of the world, we must understand, first of all, that Jesus is God, the Word made flesh. He is the Creator. And then back to John chapter 1, He is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And so if, if, if we are the light of the world, then it seems almost like a contradiction that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, it's not. There's no contradiction in the Word of God. And I'll, I'll make this... Well, it cleared my mind up. I hope it will for y'all in just a moment also. Uh, they, they, he, so what does it mean when Jesus says, ye are the light of the world, but yet Jesus is the true light? You see, us human beings, we might not have the truth. There are people all the time that stand up and say, this is the truth, and it's not the truth at all. And they say, I've given you the way to go. I'm light, so to speak. And they're not really light at all. So whenever Jesus says, that you're the light of the world, and we find that He is the true light. And what did He mean by that? What in the world did Jesus mean whenever He says, you are the light of the world? And how is it that if Jesus is the true light, that you and I can know what that light is? I mean, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9 says that, that no marvel for Satan himself is an angel of light. So how is it as we're in this world and we're in the darkness of this world, spiritually speaking, how do we know what is truth and what is a lie? How do we know what is the, lie, the light that comes from God and the false light that comes from Satan? How do we know that? And whenever that I am to be the light of the world and you're to be the light of the world, if you're saved this morning, then what light am I to be reflecting? And I'll come back to that phrase in just a minute. How do I know? All right, now, another text. Once you go to open your Bible uh, to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 105. It is the longest of the Psalms, the 176 verses in the 119th Psalm. And uh, while you're turning there, I want you to see verse 105. If we're talking about being the light of the world, and what does it mean to be in Christianity? And how is it that we're the light of the world? And what does that mean? And how do I know the difference between a true light and a false light? And how do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? And how do I know that? And Psalm 119, 105 is a great verse. It explains it very simply. And watch what it says. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isn't it interesting? The word was made flesh. You cannot separate Jesus and the word of God. One of the reasons that we stand so solidly here that we have a perfect Bible is because if you've got a corrupted Bible, you've got a corrupted Lord. If you've got a God that needs to be revised, or a Bible that needs to be revised, you've got a God that needs to be revised. And great truth in that. You can't separate those things. You might try as you might, but you can't separate them because the Word was made flesh. You have to give the same characteristics to uh, to the word that you give to Jesus and vice versa. And so he says, thy word, now notice two things it does. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Now watch what the Bible does. In every aspect of life, here's what the Bible does for you and I. 
It shines as a lamp which only gives you enough light for the next step. You don't shine anything out there. If you've ever had a, a, a lamp, these folks had like coal oil lamps. They understood this, and I've had those things and piddled with them. Thank the Lord electricity has invented before that I was born. But uh, they had these coal oil lamps. You ever had one of them? You try to walk in the dark with it, you ain't going to see anywhere except right in front of you. But you know what it will do? It'll show you the next step. It'll show you the next step. It's not going to show you a long ways out there, but it's going to show you the very next step. And so you know why that I need to be reading the Bible and I need to be up on the Word of God and I need to be letting the Bible guide me because I'm taking a lot of steps in life. I'm taking a lot of steps in my marriage. I'm taking a lot of steps in my children. I'm taking a lot of steps with my neighbors. I'm taking a lot of steps in my work. I'm taking a lot of... You understand what I'm saying here. I'm taking a lot of steps. And by the way, so are you. I need to make sure that that step that I'm taking is what God would want me to take. And the only way I can know that is the Word of God because it is a lamp unto my feet. Now notice, not only is the Word of God a lamp unto my feet and gives me light and what I should do and what I shouldn't do and what's best and where the peace of God is at. It says, uh, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. And by the way, a light unto my path. Now by the way, that's a lighted pathway. Uh, and, and oftentimes you can see uh, a, a, a pathway or a driveway or a road that's, that's got lights on it and, and you're not there yet. Uh, you can be a long ways from it, but you can see the general direction. There it is. There's the path I'm following. It's lit up. I've got this lamp and it's guiding me in my next step. And there is the light. There is the direction I need to go. And that's what the Word of God does for you. The Word of God guides you in the next step, and then you can look out and see the direction that I need to be going in. And I'm headed in that direction. So if Jesus is the light of the world, and He is, then how do I know what He wants me to do? Only through the inspired, infallible, indestructible Word of God that I let it be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All right. And we're just about through the introduction. And uh, we're going we're gonna to solidify this thing. Now I've got two choices I do when I'm given light. And so do you. Now go back in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. I told you to mark chapter 5, so chapter 6 shouldn't be hard for you to find. Now Jesus is the light of the world. He has given to us the Word of God that is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. But you know what? I have a choice with the Word of God every day. And so do you. I have a choice to read it, heed it, listen to it, or I can just ignore it. I can just do what I think's right. I can say, I don't need that. By the way, you, you, you've, you've come into an old-fashioned, fundamental, Bible-believing church. You probably would never say that in your own heart. You'd probably say, I don't need the Bible. You probably wouldn't say that. But I do say that, and you do say that when I don't read it. You might as well be saying to God, I don't care what you think. I know what I, I'm smarter than you are. I know what I need to do. When, when I don't read my Bible, that's exactly what I'm doing. When I don't let the Bible be a lamp unto my feet and light in my path, that is exactly what I'm doing. Now, that sounds, you said, preacher, that's blasphemous. I understand that. But that's our actions. 
And, and, and so Jesus now gives me the light, and I've got two choices with it. I can either heed it or reject it. So can you. I can receive it or reject it. You're in Matthew chapter 6 by now. I want you to look, if you will, uh, in verse number 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But then I be evil, thy whole body should be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now here's great truth. Uh, if, if, when it says if, you're, if your eye be single, that means you're, you're single in your mind. You say, I've got to find out what the Bible says. I've got to find out what the Bible says and what, how I'm to act and react and how I'm to live and not live. I've got to find out what the Bible says. And, and, and you're singularly minded on doing what the Bible says. And if you do that, by the way, you're, you're going to find light and that next step's going to be okay. And the step after that and the path you're going and you're, not, you're going to find out you're not going to have to back up and punt. You're not going to find yourself in a maze going around in a circle. You're going to find yourself just being closer and closer to Christ because you're following the Word of God. But if your eye's evil and you've rejected the light, then you don't really have any light at all. You have darkness. And if the dark, the, what little light you have is darkness, how great is that darkness? By the way, light disobeyed increases darkness. When you disobey this book, it increases darkness. There's a great truth in that. So now I've laid the foundation. I want you to go back with me now to chapter 5. And let's, let's see what we've got. And then I want to I talk about being the light of the world just a minute. I want to lay, lay the foundation and I want to encourage us a little bit. Now I've said a few things and I want to pull it all together. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, but he is the true light. He is the word made flesh. And the only way we know what his word truth is, is through the word of God. I choose to either walk in it and let it be the lamp, or I choose to do whatever I think I need to do. And follow someone else or whatever, or just ignore it. Now, if the light that's in me doesn't come from this. It's darkness. And it will get darker and darker and darker. Now that's what's happening to the world. There's things going on in our society today. I'll be 60 years old here in a few days. There's things going on in our society today that I would never have imagined when I was a teenager. How'd that happen? Because we ignored the light. How'd that happen? Because we've taken the Bible out of everything public in our country. We've ripped it out of our schools as if somehow there was something wrong with it. And by the way, there are Christians that sort of somehow bite into the lie that that's a good thing. We've ripped it out of public view as if it is not necessary. And replaced it with all kinds of darkness. And called it light. And we have gone further and further and further from the truth and further and further from the light. And now there's darkness. Now, by the way, that doesn't discourage me. <laughs> so it discourages me. Now, hold on a minute. Whenever Jesus gave this in Matthew chapter 5, this is the first recorded sermon that he had. If you'd have went back and seen the society that was in, Jer in Jerusalem at that time under the rule of the Roman Empire, you would see darkness. 
you would see darkness greater than anything that we can imagine. And I'm not saying we ought to just rejoice and let things go. I'm just saying when he said, ye are the light of the world, he understood the darkness we're in. He understood it. And, and he wasn't discouraged about it. And he didn't want them to be discouraged about it. He wanted them to understand you are the light of the world. You say, well, it's getting darker. Of course it's getting darker. Of course it's getting darker. But here's the great truth about darkness. The darker it gets, the brighter a candle is. There's truth in that. I, I, I should have done something. I should have brought a candle in here this morning and lit the candle and had it set in here. Do, do you realize that if, I, if I'd have brought a candle in here and lit it and set it on this pulpit through everything I've said, you, you probably wouldn't even notice the crazy thing burning unless it caught something on fire up here. But I'd turn all these lights off, you'd see it. Because that candle would all of a sudden become brighter. Does it become brighter? No. The darkness just got darker and the light of that candle now shows better. And he says, ye are the light of the world, but Jesus is the light. Now, how is it that we are the light of the world if Jesus is a true light? And this is illustration that God helped me with last week to really solidify this in my mind. If you go out tonight on a good, bright, moonlit night, the moon gives a lot of light that you can even walk by. Now, a lot of times I like to go out. Uh, Trevor and I were raised out in the country and on the farm. A lot of times we'd hit them fields with no light at all on a good moonlit night. You don't need it. I mean, the light reflects and you can see and, and, and there's that light. But the moon doesn't have any light. The moon doesn't produce any light. All the moon does is reflect the light of the sun. That's all it does. You know how that you and I are the light of the world? Because we're reflecting the light of Jesus that we have. That's how we do it. Do you know how that I'm the light of the world around where I'm at? And you're the light of the world where you're at? It is the light of Jesus Christ reflecting off of us. Because He is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You know why the darkness is greater and greater? Because our lights have grown dimmer and dimmer. We as Christians are not reflecting very much light. We've not become the salt that preserves and purifies. And we're not the light that shines in the darkness. It says, Jesus is the only way to heaven and He's the light of the world. And that is what we must do. We must realize that we are the light of the world because we're reflecting Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a few questions. I'm about done. I don't want you to answer these out loud, but I do want you to answer them in your heart. Does your light, does your life reflect Jesus to your family? That's a great question. I mean, does your, if I could go to your family today, or if anyone went to your family, let's just start and maybe just sort of break this thing down. Let's say we could go to your parents today. And we can say to your parents, is this man or this woman, are they a Christian? Does your life so light that? They would say, oh yes, 
they believe in Jesus and they've trusted Him as their Savior? Or would they say, well, I hope so. I'm not real sure. Hey, what if we went to your children, parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, would they think that you're a Christian? Does your life reflect that? I read a stat not long ago about young people not serving God when they got grown. And the number one reason that they quit church, the number one reason, 80% of them gave the number one reason is this, because our parents acted different than they did at church. Number one reason. Number one reason. Talked about how they loved God at church and at home, never cracked a Bible. Didn't go to church unless they just, it became nothing else to do. Never prayed, never talked about God. It must not have been real. Hey, how is your light? How is your light to your children? Look, I've grown old pretty quickly. Any of y'all that's older, you understand that this went by quick and it's going by quicker. The truth of the matter is, I want my children and grandchildren to say, hey, he believed in God. He believed the Bible. I want them to know that Elizabeth and I believe that this is real. We want to act at our house the same way we act here. I want to act, by the way, on vacation like we act here. I want to act the same way when I'm out in public to act here. I want people to know that this is real. What is your light to your family? Would they think you're a Christian? Would they? Or would they be amazed if somebody said, oh, man, that woman's a church member here. What do you think about that? Does your neighbors know that you're a Christian or they just... What else do they see? Do they know that you... Do you reflect the light of Jesus when you act with them and interact with them? Or do they all they ever see is some grouchy, aggravating individual? Do the people you work with, do they see the light of Jesus? And some, the great God and Savior that forgives you and saved you, do they see that? Elizabeth and I were listening Monday night to one of our favorite preachers. He's getting up in age now. His name is Johnny Pope. And Johnny Pope gave an illustration that's, that's burned in my soul ever since I heard it the other night. He called a certain preacher that we all knew. And when he was a young man, he wasn't saved. And him and a friend of his grew up together as teenagers. And they hunted and fished together. And they grew up and got in, in college. And he got saved. And his friend was an atheist. They both went their separate ways. And 10 years after they graduated college, the atheist had become a pretty successful lawyer. And the other guy had become a well-known preacher. And so he, the atheist called the preacher, the lawyer called the preacher and said, hey, listen, I'd, I'd really like for you and I to spend some time together. We, we ain't spent no time. We used to as kids, and, and I, I'd like to. And so he agreed, and so they spent 10 days together, hunting and fishing and camping. And on the way home, the atheist is driving back home. This is before 
He's going to the train station. That tells you how old this was. And he pulled over the side of the road and he said, Can I ask you a question? He said, Yes, sir. He said, Do you really believe there's a God? He said, Yes, I do. He said, Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God and came to this earth and died and was buried and rose again for our sin? Yes, I do. Do you believe in heaven, that there is a heaven? Yes. Do you believe in hell? Yes, I do. And when he said all that, he said, you believe people that don't get saved go to hell for all eternity? And he said, yes, I believe that. And his atheist friend looked at him and said, you're a liar. You don't believe any of that. You don't believe any of it. I've lost this mic for some reason. Give me this right here. He said, you don't believe any of that. Give me a little more juice. I've lost it somehow. He said, you don't believe any of that at all. He said, because if you believed it, if I believed that, I'd crawl across broken glass to tell you. And you've never mentioned it to me. You're the light of the world. Oh, you don't have no light in yourself. Jesus is the light. Oh, but I wonder if our neighbors and friends would say what that atheist said to his friend. You're a liar. You don't believe that. You act like I act. You talk like I talk. You watch the same filthy shows and use the same filthy language and you, you do what I do. You are a liar. Because we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're not supposed to blend in. We're supposed to repel the darkness. You know what I'm afraid of? Most of us have put our candlestick under a bed and we've hid it. We're afraid of the criticism. Afraid somebody will get mad. Afraid somebody will pitch a fit. They'll really pitch a fit at judgment when you go to heaven and they're cast into hell. It'll be worse than that lawyer talking to his friend. By the way, it changed that man's life. That preacher. Changed his life. He couldn't get out of it. By the way, everybody knows now. You are the light of the world. Is that true about you? Is that true? Or do people that know us say, you're a liar. You don't believe that. If you believe that, you'd act different. Because we are the light that leads people to Christ. That is the true light. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We got a bad.